Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Yes, more real than a Bob Costas Twitter account. It is the Vince Quinn Show. I'm back, baby. Hope you had a good week. Nice to be here again as we gear up for another Sunday of football. We recoup from a completely silly, ridiculous incident that in part also cost Florida the game today against LSU. So there's a lot of fun stuff to get to along the way. Uh, maybe I should have opened the show by saying I'm a media pawn, Vince Quinn. There's a, there's a lot of things. <laughs> How do you feel about being a pawn, Graceffo? Do you think, is that fitting? I can't really move diagonally, so we'll yeah. just call it a day. <laughs> I would say your lateral quickness. I would not expect it to be A correct. lot of diagonal movement for me, as <laughs> you've seen. Especially running down the hole. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff later because I would love to. Honestly, I would love to talk to you about it. I, I would love to know how you feel. But it, I just thought that was hysterical. So plenty of things to get to. Um, here's what I want to do right off the bat, right? Because something fascinating happened. I'm watching the very end of the Rams and the Patriots. I see Jared Stenham on the TV. See the Patriots are getting blown out. I go, okay, this is interesting. I clearly missed a lot. Let me go to Twitter. Now, here's what I saw on Twitter generally that was shocking to me. I saw a couple of people, not a ton, but it was a few. Some of them with blue check marks, some of them not. And they were starting to question how great Bill Belichick actually is uh, you want to talk about the game and that's the thing we will talk a lot about the game and not just the game in terms of what played out against the Rams but we will talk about the sport of football and the history of Bill Belichick and the history of Tom Brady and where all of this stuff shakes out like here here's where it started too because it's not just a criticism of Bill Belichick it's the mentioning of what his record is outside of having Tom Brady. So what is his record in games in New England without Tom Brady? What is his record in Cleveland before he goes to New England? What is his record now with this season combining all that together? And it's like, wow, his record's not that great. When he's with Tom Brady, yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know where this criticism all of a sudden could come from. Like, it's again, it wasn't overwhelming of what I saw out there, but I saw enough things about it that actually had to sit and pause for a second and go, wait, are we actually at a point already where we're questioning Bill Belichick? We're questioning Bill Belichick. How are there people on the face of this earth that can actually in a 14-game stretch, 13-game stretch, whatever it is, they're 6-7, and seven, so 13. In 13 games following the departure of the greatest quarterback who's ever played the sport, to suddenly go, you know, it was all Brady. It has nothing to do with Belichick. Maybe Belichick's just an average coach without Tom Brady. Brady. Yeah, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, how does this happen? You know, this is, it's, and I'm an overthinker, okay? I can be. I can be an overthinker at times. This is overthinking to the craziest degree. Like, at this point, with where Brady is, with where Belichick is, with all the doubting that we had going into the season. How good were those guys going to be? Can Belichick coach a team well without Tom Brady? Can Tom Brady play well without Bill Belichick? Who's the mastermind? Who's the genius? There can only be one. This is sports talk, right? You can't have both guys together be great and help each other and make each other better and become this beautiful, wonderful, never-before-seen thing of just nonstop success. We want to end on a high note. <laughs> and they did. That's what they do. You know, they, they, as far as things go for that team, I mean, they, they made it to the playoffs last year. It's not like they fizzled out. They won the Super Bowl the year before that. They're in the Super Bowl the year before that. Like, we're talking about the greatest dynasty that we've ever seen in our lives. And all of a sudden, 
13 games into a year, the first year where these guys aren't together in a pandemic season, we're looking at like, you know, you know maybe there's something up here and maybe Belichick isn't so great. Like, I just, I have not moved on either of these guys, even a little bit. Everything that we thought about Brady and Belichick prior to going into this season, everything at the second last season ended and it felt like it was the end of the dynasty. It felt like things were finally going to break up. Even at that point, however I felt about those people then is exactly the same as I feel now. Nothing has changed. To believe that anything has changed with the greatness of Brady or Belichick, to question the legitimacy of either of these guys, regardless of what these seasons are. And honestly, let's talk about it. These seasons, not so bad. They're not so bad, right? Like, the Patriots are 6-7, and seven, and people are looking at this and going, oh, my God, what a catastrophe in New England. These guys, they're clearly underachieving. And, like, yes, could they use Tom Brady on their team? Yeah, Tom Brady is clearly, at this point, he's clearly better than Cam Newton. I don't think that's much of a discussion. I don't think I'm wowing anybody or hot-taking anybody when I say that Tom Brady is a better quarterback, even at 43 years old, than Cam is at, you know, 30-31. But... When you look at six and seven for the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, how bad is it? I mean, really? Historically, yeah, okay, they're not going to be 11 and five this year. But who's on that team? Who's on that team? They had more opt outs than any team in the NFL. One of those guys like Dante Hightower, the big time player for them. So you're talking about a team that changed its quarterback, had a bunch of opt-outs. Generally, the offense was limited anyway, went backwards in an offensive league. They're 6-7. and seven. That's not bad. How many teams give up on a Hall of Fame quarterback? He walks away for another team, and they're just like, yeah, everything's fine. You know, unless we're talking like Joe Montana, Steve Young, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. What kind of conversation is this? 6-7 and seven without Tom Brady. Pretty darn good. Okay, pretty good. And you also have to factor in, and this is to Brady's benefit in some degree, uh, although he's got it in a different way, the AFC East was always bad, and that's how the Patriots made their easiest money, right? You played teams six times a year that weren't any good. The Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets. Now, the Jets are still the most god-awful thing I've ever seen in my life, and I don't know, like, Graceffo's wearing a hoodie. I don't know how you do it, but he's wearing a Jets hoodie. But the Bills are good. The Bills are a pretty good football team. You might not think that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but could the Bills be in the AFC Championship game? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no reason to believe that the Bills can't make it to the AFC Championship game. It's possible. Dolphins are pretty good. Now, they've got some tough games ahead, but they're a pretty good team. I mean, that's not a team that you look at regardless of who you are. If you're Kansas City, if you're New Orleans, if you were Green Bay, and for whatever reason, you had Miami on the schedule in the next couple of weeks, you look at it and you go, you know, that's a tough game. It is. It is. They're playing in a tough division. So to look at Bill Belichick and question him in any way, shape, or form at this point, like, has your opinion changed at all on either of these guys, on Brady? Has it moved at all? Do you feel like he's not the same guy? For Belichick, do you question it and think it's all Tom? 855-212-4227. Because I'm starting to see the whispers, and the whispers have driven me nuts. As small as they are, it's driving me nuts to the point where I'm just like, all right, I got, I, I just got to get this off my chest. I, I can't believe it's out there in any way, shape, or form. But I don't feel any differently about any of these guys. If anything, I feel better about them now. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't completely fallen apart, Right? Think about this, too. For, for Belichick, last last point for the moment for Belichick. We've all seen the assistants, right? Bill O'Brien just got fired. Matt Patricia just got fired. Who's the genius? It's the same guy that it's always been for 20 years now. It's Bill Belichick, right? That guy is the one that is consistently successful when these people, his disciples, go to other places. We'll see what happens with Flores. We'll see what happens with Judge. But for all the different people that have been hired over the years, including Josh McDaniels, the golden child up there, he's failed. He was a terrible head coach. Drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. That was a massive disaster. Okay? It didn't work even a little bit. Belichick, amazing. Okay? There's no reason for me at this point to question Belichick at all. At all. Feel totally the same. And for him to have Cam Newton, bad fit. 
They gave it, like, they signed him to the veteran minimum months into the summer. He's not a good short passer. They don't have wide receivers. He's not that good. It's just not a good fit. So they did what they could in a short year with a weird offseason, and they're 6-7. and seven. Is that a failure for the Patriots? Is this a disaster? Do they have to reevaluate everything? Are they not any good? Was Brady holding the whole thing up, and this was just a, a smoke-and-mirror trick? I don't see that. I don't see that at all. If I was a Patriots fan, I would feel totally fine with where this team is right now. I'm not thrilled about it. It's a bit of a culture shock to be in the you know AFC championship game every year, and suddenly you're 6-7. and seven. You might not make the playoffs, but it's not that bad. Okay, Anthony Lynn is out in L.A., and he's talking about Pearl Harbor. He's comparing their season to Pearl Harbor and saying, hey, we're going to bounce back. You're not Anthony Lynn. You're not making the playoffs this year, but you could, you know, that's what they're doing over there. That's where L.A. is. Should the Patriots feel bad? Should Bill Belichick feel bad? Is this a failure of a season? Is he undercoached with this team? How many coaches do better than Bill Belichick this year with that team in that division? I can't really think of anybody, right? So... 855-212-4227. That's half of the equation. That is the Belichick half of the equation. But talking about bad fits and looking at Brady and where he's been over the course of this season at what he's done, I'm not really surprised, right? Is it that shocking that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians aren't a perfect fit? You look at the roster and the talent's everywhere. If you go to Madden, I bet the ratings in the high 90s. That's great. But practically speaking, as much as the receivers are ridiculously good and got better with Antonio Brown, the problem is it's the Bruce Arians system. The Bruce Arians system is getting the ball down the field. That's what they like to do. They're aggressive. It's push, 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 push. Brady before in New England. Five yards, quick slant. All right, let's throw it underneath to the running back. Okay, five yards. Let's throw it to the tight end. Now here's a little shot in the middle of the field just past the linebacker. Like, that's what they did. So for Brady now at 43 years old to go over to Tampa Bay and play as well as he's been, I mean, the Bucks are seven and five. That's like the, the criticisms against these guys in a way show how great they are to be critical of Tom Brady on a seven and five season where they've lost to the saints a couple of times. And that's one of the best teams in football. They're 10 and two. Can I really feel that bad about the Bucks? Are they getting blown out every single week? They've lost a lot of close games. Some of them, the pretty good teams, some, you know, some not so great like the bears, but they've lost to some games to some good teams. Is it an embarrassment? You know, should Tom Brady be ashamed of himself? How many 43-year-old quarterbacks could do what Tom Brady's done? Pandemic season, brand new team, never been in a new, a dramatically new system in 20 years. And here he is. That's a credit to Tom Brady. That's a credit to what he's been able to accomplish. So it's just fascinating to me that you get to a point where we're on week 14 of the first season of these two guys being apart from each other. And already the questions are coming out. It's every time these guys have a rough game, rough couple of games, it goes, well, maybe because it's not like, oh, maybe there's a small problem with the team and they need to adjust something and it's going to take a year to fix it. You know, building a football roster is hard. You've got 53 guys. You have opt-outs you didn't plan for. Guys in the primes of their careers deciding to not play. That's a tough adjustment to make. But let's not blame that. Let's let's immediately go to, hey, I wonder if the greatest coach that's ever coached the sport, maybe we've overrated him. Maybe the last 20 years of unbelievable, never-before-seen excellence, maybe that was all a sham. <laughs> let's, let's start to wonder. <laughs> really? Is this, have we lost our minds? Are we going crazy? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm going crazy. But what? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. I don't know. What? Why? Why? 855-212-4227. People must just be too ready to tear something good down. You know, they don't like Belichick. They don't like Brady. And let's be honest. They've got a track record, right? They've got a track record of scandals. I don't have to make you believe that you need to love Tom Brady or Belichick, but you got to respect what they've been able to accomplish regardless. They win games every single year with ruthless efficiency. They've been 
unbelievably good. The style of football over the years is Brady goes from a game manager to a guy that can throw it 50 times a game and torch you ridiculously every single week. Historic uh, 2007 seasons and things like that. And adjust again as Brady gets older. I mean, they've been masterful. And for any idea, any any inkling of, like, maybe that whole thing was a sham. Maybe they weren't as good. Maybe Brady doesn't have it anymore. Like, Brady's 7-5, and five, okay? So I, I don't know what we're talking about. I don't know how it gets to a point where people question these guys. But, but here we are. I start to see it. I look around. I go, oh, maybe the Patriots aren't so good. Okay. I mean, I, six and seven looks fine to me. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. By the way, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. So, here's what we're going to do next. Because talking about Brady and Belichick and the Patriots and legacy and all that different stuff, has it changed at all for you as we hit week 14? Has it moved at all? Do you feel like one guy looks better this year without the other? Anything like that? 855-212-4227. But the other thing I want to get into is what do you make of Cam Newton at this point? What does he have left? That's coming up on the other side. Keep it right here. I'm Vince Quinn with you on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. All right, we're back. Vince Quinn here on CBS Sports Radio. And joining me on this love cruise this evening, James Graceffo, as always, producer of the show. By the way, Graceffo, how are you doing? Peachy. Peachy, yes. That <laughs> well, the song got me in that song gets me in a great mood all the time. I well, that yeah, that's that's why we try to play the hits. We try to play the music that people want, you know? Well, they play the hits. That's what we do in the radio business as well. I don't know if you heard that before. Well, yeah, and that's yeah. what you do when you're a morning show. That's right. You play the hits. Not on at 2 a.m., not, you know, 2 a.m., as some people would like to say. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, West Coast, we're not there yet, but we're about 40 minutes away, so we're close. We're close. Morning show, babe. That's right. That's right. The that's best right. morning show on this network. Yeah, I actually added it to my Twitter bio today. <laughs> I, I decided to call the show a morning show on my Twitter bio. You know what? Because. I'm just leaning into it. I don't even care anymore. Yeah, it's it's you might as well. That's right. If we talk about it enough, we'll convince somebody to give us a morning show full time. Where? The, I don't know. I don't care. Montana. Um, do they have a? Is there any? There's no professional team in Montana, right? Uh, well, not that I know. If of. you're in Montana, what do you root for? Like what? The is, University of Montana. What is the biggest team? Nice days, good weather. Yeah, maybe they just solitude. Don't care. Yeah, they just do other stuff. Solitude. I don't know. If you're a sports fan in Montana, who do you root for? Like, what is what is the consensus? I just want to know. This is the nice thing. This is the nice thing that we can do as, as a national show. I would assume we're on in Montana. We're on. Yeah, like, I would think we are. Yeah, we're on in like 220 stations, baby. So that's what they tell us. There's yeah. Well, that's what they tell us. I haven't gotten to listen in a while. Who knows? But if you're listening in Montana or you're from Montana and you know anything about the sports teams there or the sports scene there, me and you are going to do a morning show in Billings. <laughs> If the money's right, the I'll tallest be there. skyscrapers, eight floors, five bucks an hour. I'm game. That's done. <laughs> yes. So uh, where we go to work would be like eight floors. You're like, oh, you're on the eighth floor. You're a big wig here. Eight five five two one two or like Wyoming two seven. Yeah, why not? Eight five five two one two four two two seven. We're coming to you live. Oh no, that's the wrong read. Did that one last segment. This is why we don't have a morning show yet. So uh, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's sponsored by Geico. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work, so get a quote at geico.com. Easy. Now, 
I opened the show, if you missed it, I opened the show because I saw people after the Patriots lost to the Rams the other day, which, by the way, the Rams are really good and have a chance of winning the Super Bowl this year. Let's be honest. That is a good squad. Going into the season, people counted them out. But Sean McVay's a great coach, and they retooled that team, and they look really good. And the Rams, on a given night, could beat anybody. So the Rams knock the snot out of the Patriots, and after the game, I see some people on Twitter, some of them with check marks and stuff. I, I honestly, I wish I had names, but I go on Twitter, I see miserable tweets, and I just go, oh, God, people are miserable. And I turn off Twitter. I leave Twitter rather than, like, live on there and fight with people on there because it's just not worth my time. But I saw that, and I go, how are people possibly questioning Belichick at this point? Like, the people are putting out, like, oh, Bel- here's Belichick's record without Tom Brady. He's an average coach. Okay. Okay, pal. Mike McCarthy's an average coach, and that's borne out pretty well over the years. One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the position. Not great. Some pretty good years. Game changed a little bit. He got a little stale. It didn't work out. He's in Dallas. Another shot. It didn't work out. He's an average coach. He won a Super Bowl. Great for him. At the time, he was a pretty good coach. It worked out. But you know who Mike McCarthy is. You don't go through 20 seasons in the NFL with anybody as your quarterback and not be at least a really good coach with the track record that Belichick has. He is the greatest coach that's ever done it in the history of that sport, if not any sport. I mean, Belichick is an all-time great. And I have any doubts whatsoever about who he is or what he's capable of still without Tom Brady, I think is nuts. Nuts. I have no doubts about Belichick whatsoever. It's only a matter of time. He's got Cam Newton right now, who he signed for the veteran minimum. Nobody wanted Cam Newton. Now, we can, we'll can we talk about that a little bit more, but nobody wanted Cam Newton, and he was able to scoop him up for nothing. That's what he's getting out of Cam Newton right now. He's getting a guy that's playing on the veteran minimum. He's got five touchdowns, ten interceptions. It's not a great fit for Cam. Like, is it Bill Belichick's fault, really? Going to Jarrett Stidham now, is that a major reflection on who Belichick is and what he's capable? Do we have to reevaluate his career? Like, let's stop it. Let's stop it. Okay? There's, I'm, I'm stopping it before it really starts. Six and seven for this team. And I am not a Patriots fan. Just being honest with you. That is not my team at all. At all. But I have all the respect and no doubt for what Belichick can do. None. So, 855-212-4227. We go to Chad, who's in Florida. Chad, you're on CBS Sports Radio. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to talk about, like, if Tom Brady was on the Patriots right now with Belichick, they would have, a lot of people would have no doubt in their mind that they would be playoff contenders. But now all of a sudden that he's in Tampa Bay and they've separated, it's like, oh, no, what's going on? Like, I think... Tom Brady's fine in Tampa Bay. I think they're still going to make the playoffs, maybe. But I think people are blowing all of this way out of proportion. Yeah, it's, it's just not too it's, – it's early for all these guys. It's a new cities, all that stuff. And, Chad, I appreciate it. Like, there's no reason to be stressed about any of this stuff. If you're a Bucks fan and you're looking at this and you're like, well, Tom Brady doesn't look so good. He's You know, his arm strength, does he have it and whatnot? Okay. I mean, you worry about that a little, but you go into every single game with a legitimate belief that the Bucks are going to win that game because it's Tom Brady, because you have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and Rob Gronkowski and a, and a solid defense. Like, there's a lot of things there that that team can still win. It's the first season with a new team, new language, new teammates, the lack of consistency. As much as he, you know, ran those workouts he really wasn't supposed to be running in Florida in the offseason, it's still limited time compared to what he's used to. It's different style-wide receivers than what he's used to. It's all different. And that's why, like, going back to Cam Newton here for a minute, what do you make of Cam Newton? What's left of Cam Newton? Is it over for Cam Newton? No. No. I'm not burying Cam Newton yet either. I can't do it. Now, here's the thing. He just got benched the other night, and I I said it for you a couple of minutes ago. Cam Newton, he's got five touchdowns passing, ten interceptions, right? The value for him in New England right now is running. Running, the dynamic misdirection that they can do, those are the things that give you value with Cam. So can he still work in the NFL as a quarterback? Can he be a starter somewhere? I think he can, but 
let's be honest, for a guy that has accuracy issues, and this year his numbers are up because he's still doing those easy throws that New England likes to do, these short, quick, over the middle, that kind of stuff. He's doing a good chunk of that, but the receivers are terrible. Who who does he have to throw the ball to? Who do you look at in the New England offense and go, uh-oh, you can't let that wide receiver get going. Once he gets moving, it's over. I, I mean, really? Is there anybody no, there's there's not. It's just a weird fit for him. Cam Newton needs an offense where he can use his arm, get the ball down the field, have a bigger receiver that can make some plays if he's a little inaccurate, and have the running game to go with it. He could work. I mean, think about what Taysom Hill is doing right now with the Saints. He's winning games. He's not amazing. He's not spectacular, but he's completing a deep ball here or there, and he's got really good wide receivers around him, a running game. It's there. If Cam Newton was on a decent offensive team, and it's not there right now in New England, I think he could win some games. So I'm not looking at Cam Newton and saying his career is over. I think at this point, because the season went the way it did, and he sat in free agency for as long as he did, he's probably a bridge guy. He's going to have to earn I mean, if he's going to get a starting job again, there's no team that's going to sign Cam Newton next season and go, you know, maybe he's still our quarterback of the future. I don't see that. It's going to be, okay, let's bring him in. He's competition with somebody. Maybe we have a rookie, and if he gets through uh, seven weeks or so and holds the rookie off, then we've won a couple of games, and that's good, and and he repeats the cycle. He becomes, I don't know, Ryan Fitzpatrick or something. (laughs) But for now, it is a weird fit for Cam Newton And I'm not going to say his career is over. I'm not going to say he doesn't have it anymore. He can't be successful anywhere. It's a weird fit in a weird year. He's done some things well. It's not like he's totally inept as a quarterback. He's been able to take some hits and be an effective runner. So I'm going to give him some time. I'm going to give him time. But if you want to talk about it, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. Talking a lot of Patriots-related stuff right now. Has your opinion changed on Brady and Belichick? As we hit week 14 of the season, a lot of speculation, a lot of doubt. Has it changed? 855-212-4227. Now, here's what we're going to do on the other side. And if you want, you can also join the show on Twitter. It's Vince Quinn. You're listening to the Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio. Listening to the Vince Quinn Show, weekend overnights on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, yeah, more happening than Taylor Swift's new album. We are back, baby. And we got some fun stuff to get into. Hour two of the show. Yes, I am Vince Quinn here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Travis Kelsey is ridiculously underpaid. Okay, we are going, and he just got a new contract. He's ridiculously underpaid. We are going to give a thorough investigation in the next couple of minutes. I don't know. Why I, I saw t- what you did there. <laughs> I was, I was thinking about it. As I said, I was like, this is going to come out awful. And yeah, it was. It was I bad. still did it. Was it anyway. brutal. Yeah. A, Just say investigation next time. A Vin investigation. No, no, no. See, now that I'm no. saying it again, it comes still out bad. smoother. No, Vin no, investigation. It's really bad. It rolls it's off the awful. tongue now. Don't do that. It's definitely hard. Just don't do the hacky radio bit where you're like, oh, hokey. Like, oh, I'm going to make my name into off of a word and I just put turn it together. everything into puns all the time based on Vince. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, oh, a vid investigation with you here with Travis Kelsey and his salary coming up next. Yeah, I've, I've had the thought because here's the thing. I, I There are people that are fans of the show and there are people that like reach yeah, out to like me on Twitter. five of them. They're yeah. great people. No, I like and that's them. the thing. There's like five of them. So I take that for what it's worth and I'm thankful for that. Like I've had the thought. I was like, now I, I didn't say I was going to act on this, but I've had the thought if the show was popular enough, would I call people that are fans of the show Quinions? Yeah, no. I no. uh, see. No. no, I think no is the answer. No, no is the answer. For you that. shouldn't do anything like that no. <laughs> on the air in your personal life. Don't do that. Well, you're I, a good dude. Don't do, be that guy. For the most part, you're a good dude. Yeah, don't do that. I, I haven't revealed my deepest, darkest secrets to you yet. Don't just don't do that, please. Well, well not on the air. Just but be a, just be a normal human <laughs> that speaks like a normal human. 
and you just have normal human interactions. Okay, but don't fire do takes, right? I mean, it's the sports talk uh, radio you don't, industry. Whatever. Where am I without whatever. fire takes? I, uh, again. If I'm not lighting If up anyone is getting fire takes at 3 in the morning, I don't know what we're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the thing, too. Like, I don't want to sit here. It's a weekend, overnight, or morning, and this is a morning this show. This is a morning show, yes. yes. But I'm not going to sit here, and one, I don't like doing it anyway. I don't like coming out. And just being like, you know, uh, this guy is the worst quarterback I've ever seen. He has one bad game. Like, they, they you know, uh, starting the show. Like, Bill Belichick is an average coach. You were very Tom conservative Brady. with the Bill Belichick take. It was very good. Well, yes. You need, we need some more of that in this business. I try to be rational. I try to just give an honest That's opinion a good word on things. For it. Rational. I like to You're be very wrong about things. If, if I think a player's going to be bad and it turns out they're really good, I'll eat crow on that. You're I mean, giving you're giving Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt, even though he hasn't drafted a decent wide receiver in 15 years. Well, he can't draft wide receivers, okay? Yeah, he clearly I'm, can't. I'm, I'm happy that you're doing that. Yeah, the, the best thing he did, like Wes Welker, for example. Wes Welker was good on the Dolphins, and then he goes, oh, that guy's really good on the Dolphins. I'm going to make him way better here, and then he yeah, makes he Wes stole Welker. stole him for a second-round pick. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great move by him to get Wes Welker in there from Miami. The Dolphins were like, man, I can't believe we're getting a second-round pick for this guy. Yeah. And then he turns into a Hall of Famer. It's crazy. So yeah, that like that's what Belichick. He can identify NFL talent and fit guys in. But I'm not going to come out and just go, yeah, Belichick. He's clearly not great without Tom Brady. Like that would be a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, even last week on the show, I, I about uh, an hour from now, time wise, I spent a segment going like the Browns. They're winning in spite of Baker Mayfield. And then, you know, Baker Mayfield comes out and throws four touchdowns and a half. That guy shut us up, didn't he? Yeah, well, yeah. Clearly, I, we're on in Cleveland. So, clearly, he's listening He was to listening. Yes, Baker, he was listening. And I'm a fan. Like, all, I, when he came into the league, I was excited for him. He was talking smack and all. I was like, man, this is great. I love a quarterback that's a bit of a heel. The NFL needs that. I hope he makes it. And he's not. he hasn't been awful. He's just been disappointed. But he shut me up last week. And it was like, okay, Baker Mayfield had a pretty good game. And he, he hasn't been awful this season. He's just been a little underwhelming. So, you know, I'll give him I'll give him time. And all these guys who tell you, I don't listen, I don't read the paper, they're lying to you. Trust well, me when I tell you. Yeah, they're, they, they they're have to be. To they just have to be. If you know that people are talking about you. Jalen Hurts wouldn't be the Eagle quarterback this week if Doug Peterson wasn't reading the paper and listening to the radio. And as somebody who does radio shows in Philly, I mean, I'm, I'm a credit for that then, so there props you go. to me. Props <laughs> to me. Enjoy watching Jalen Hurts get thrown around yeah, later I'm not, today. I'm not going to enjoy it. It's going to be a miserable experience. Yeah. Um, but they, were, they were very nice to Jalen this week when he met the media, and, and, and I'm sure that'll end at about, uh, what time do they play? Well, yeah, 425. Yeah, it's time like 8 o'clock when, when Jalen Hurts does his postgame presser. I'm sure everyone will be so nice the way they were on Wednesday when he did it. Yeah, no, it's going to be just preview. fine. Everything is going to be very smooth for Jalen Hurts in Philly. No problems whatsoever. Everyone asking Jalen, like, oh, who's your inspiration in life? How, how are things going with Carson? Is he, is he being a help to you? <laughs> when the Eagles lose by three touchdowns on a Sunday afternoon and Jalen meets the media, things will not be nice. Yeah. Uh, Jalen, how would you feel if the uh, Eagles decided to trade for Tua and uh, they benched you for Tua again? You know, like, that's, that's where it's going to go. Um, very lovely. Now... Here's something I wanted to get to, right? Because there's something in a, in a slightly more serious but also legitimately ridiculous uh, happening in the world of football. So you had a major upset that took place yesterday for college football. Major. You have the number six team in the country in Florida playing LSU. Now, LSU last year, unbelievable season. Winning the national championship. Joe Burrow. Uh, all these different first-round picks that they have. Joe Brady. All those people leave. And so... When you're reorganizing everything, you're recovering from having such an overwhelmingly successful season that it actually hurts the stability of your program. Like, they were so good that Joe Brady got plucked right away. So, for them to recover, they started their third quarterback of the season going into this game, LSU. Three and five, nothing amazing. Yeah, very disappointing. Number six in the country, Florida. Now, at the end of the game... It's a tie game. There's about three minutes left. It's 34 to 34. LSU gets the ball. Now they're deep in their own territory, and they got a long way to go. But LSU has the ball. They're slowly starting to move. It's third and 10, and this happens. Johnson throws it off. Cole Taylor, the tight end, has it at the 25. Tries to go airborne and drop at about the 28, maybe the 29-yard oh, line. We got and now we got a flag coming out. Chris, a little joy. You, can, you, can, you can't believe this. Florida defender took 
Cole Taylor's shoe and threw it 25 yards <laughs> down the field after celebrating <laughs> making that tackle. Stupid play right there. Big, big break for LSU. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Number 11 of the defense throwing the LSU player's shoe 20 yards down the field. <laughs> Don't know that I've heard that before. Uh, that's the first like conduct foul of the game. Automatic first down. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. Honestly. Who throws a shoe? He threw the cleat. He just picked it up. Like, real quick, he just gets it and bam, he wings it down the field. And I was like, wait, did that just? Yep, he just threw a shoe of the other guy. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. Austin Powers needs to know. By the way, I think his number was two. Who does number two work for? No, um, but... That this kid, I mean, he just he chucks it, and it's not smooth. Like, there are levels of craftsmanship when it comes to delay of game. Um, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, the Steelers had a moment. It's around the goal line. Team's trying to score. They run the ball. They don't get in. Clock's ticking, 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 ticking. Steelers players laying on the running back. Oh, my God. Oh, my ankle. It's just not feeling right. Meanwhile, as the fat guy's rolling around, there's a running back like, please, for the love of God, let me up. We're trying to run another play. Oh, but my ankle. I just... Uh, no, Bill, don't let me, just let me sit here for a second. Running back, no, but please, I mean, really? Like, there's all sorts of things like that that happen to stall the clock and delay things. But to just pick up a shoe and chuck it and not expect to be recognized at all. It's not like no one has a collision where they lose a shoe 20 yards down the field. It's just not possible, okay? There's Who throws no- a shoe? Honestly. And here's the thing. Here's here's what's so great about it, too, is not just being so ridiculous in and of itself, just grabbing a guy's shoe and chucking it down the field or having a ref identify that and go, literally, the penalty is he chucked that dude's shoe 20 yards down the field. Let me tell everybody who missed it. But also, this would have been, if he didn't throw the shoe, it would have been fourth and four and LSU would have been at their own 29 with a minute 51 left. The game is tied. If he doesn't throw the shoe, Florida gets the ball back. Now, they do ultimately get the ball back, but LSU scored a field goal at this point. So now you've got a 37-34 to game in LSU's favor. This is a terrible spot for Florida to be in. But they are able to drive down the field and in the closing seconds. Waiting on the snap. Placement is down. Kick is up. It's on its way, and this kick is no good. Tigers win. Tigers win. They explode up the far sideline. And number six goes down tonight at home in Gainesville. So there you go. And you could say that was a soul-crushing loss after throwing the shoe. Shout out to Chris Blair of the LSU Tigers radio network. But how embarrassing to lose a game like that, miss the field goal at the end, terrible upset, and all that happens in part because a guy just chucked a shoe (laughs) right there on third down. It's just, it's crazy. It's a terrible awareness play by that kid. So if you want to talk about it, 855-212. 4227. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits your life, Rocket can. We go to the phones. We talk to Will, who's in Michigan. Will, you're on CBS Sports Radio. Hello. How are you doing? What's going on, Will? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Will, what's up? Oh, yeah. I just want to talk about pro football. And I don't watch it for so long. I'm 76 years old. I never seen it in it. Then it works for what it is now. You got 32 teams and 17 of them are losers, you know. So it's over franchise. Quantity has ruined quality, you know. So they fire the coaches, but why fire a coach? Because a coach is just like a cook, you know. You go to a restaurant, you order a meal, and the, and the waitress come on with a, with a menu, and you look at it, and you order it, and she come back and tell you, well, we don't have it. So whatever, the product is not in the refrigerator for the cook to prepare. So therefore that's what you got in pro football as a coach. So so where are you saying there's just too many teams in the league, period? Period, right. 
He's over franchise. You got seven. You got thirty-two teams and seventeen of them are losers. Fifteen teams beat up on the other seventeen and cannot play. That's what you got. Well, I don't think there's seventeen teams that are absolutely atrocious. I mean, you got teams in different stages. Some of them are young teams that are coming around. Some of them are god awful. Jacksonville, the Jets, you know, the Bengals. Uh, there's there's some really bad teams out there. But I wouldn't say thirty-two is too many. Well, I appreciate it. Like here's the other thing too, because you look at the NFL. Is thirty-two teams too many? Uh, I don't know where I don't know where he decided. I guess he just started watching the NFL again. He's just like, yeah, man, there's too many teams. What's going on here? But um, you look at it and you go, okay, well, teams can turn the corner really quick. So even if you're going to be bad for a year, if you get a good coach and a good general manager or at least one of the two that's exceptionally good, you can win some games really fast. You can turn around in a year. If you do things right, you can make major steps in a year. You can turn everything around from a bottom feeder to a Super Bowl contender in two seasons. If you draft right, you sign a free agent or two, and and you just develop people. So 32 teams, it, it's a lot. I don't think it's overexposed. Like If I was the NBA, the NBA doesn't need 32 teams. Okay, The NBA is totally fine at 30. They have talent issues. It takes a long time to develop a team. Small market versus big market, right? If I'm the NBA, uh, 30 is just fine. Although they might want 32 because, you know, hey, money, right? (laughs) Who doesn't? Um, So anyway, 855-212-4227 is how you join the show. And God, we got so distracted with the shoe and terrible Vince-related puns. Um, but I want to talk about Travis Kelsey so bad. So Travis Kelsey, if you haven't seen it, he is on a historic pace this season and the guy's criminally underpaid. Now, here's what I want to do is just based on the time we got left in this segment, I'm going to get to that next segment. I'm sorry. It's just how things went. We'll talk about it next segment. Travis Kelsey criminally underpaid. I'm going to sneak in a call here and, uh, we'll get things rolling. Let's go to David. Who's in Georgia. David, you're on CBS sports radio. Hey, good morning, buddy. Good morning. What's up? Um, let me ask you something. I'm being serious. If the New York Jets had to play Alabama, do you think the line – what would the line be? <laughs> do, you, do you think Alabama could beat the Jets? I think they have a shot. I think they have a remote shot. But the, the problem is that even for the NFL players that aren't that good, and the Jets are awful – you're talking about a fully grown NFL trained 28 year old guy versus what could be like an 18 year old. You know what I mean? Like the physical differences, they're just so much bigger and stronger on the whole that I would figure the Jets win that game. But hey, if they played 100 times, the Jets are going to lose it enough. You know, I'll give you that, David. I'm just saying, I'm praising Alabama. I mean, you were talking about LSU went from number one to having a bad season. Alabama never has a bad season. I mean, Matt Jones, when he got the start last year after Tua got hurt, everybody was talking about, oh, poor Alabama. Now he's a Heisman Trophy quarterback. Yeah. Alabama pulls something every year. Nobody's going to beat Alabama. Just like nobody's gonna beat Kansas City in the NFL, you can book those two bets. Yeah, I think Kansas that's pretty City safe. And Alabama a lot. Yeah, David, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I mean, you look at Saban; the guy's just he's running a machine, and that's the thing. You you compare him and Coach O, like Coach O, fun story, local guy, good for him, great year, but it's not close. Him and Saban, it's not close. Things are pretty easy when you're Nick Saban, and you can drive up to basically any kid's house that you want and get them. Wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, he's living a good life. Plus, right. You know, boosters and all those which, kinds of by, things. Which, again, didn't we see Nick Saban in the NFL try to do things the NFL's way? Yeah. Or did I miss that? Yeah. Or did it? Or was it just so long ago that people forgotten? What was his record? Because he was the coach of the Dolphins. For Losing record. Yeah. Losing record. Yeah. Just so everybody remembers. Didn't work. So, for as great as Nick Saban is... It's very easy when you're Nick Saban and you have the ability to drive up to whoever you wanted, whoever you want, to their house, to their parents, and say, here's a free room and board and a free education, come play for me. A little different when you're picking players. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder. Just so we know. Yeah, fair. So, 855-212-4227, that's how you join the show. Yeah, you don't think I was a little offended by the phone call? Yeah, you seem very upset at Nick Saban. You you seem to not be a fan of Or just the fact that, you know, Alabama would be favored in the game. What are we talking about? I would figure the Jets win that game, but I don't know. 
The, I, I could see Alabama pulling it up. So. 99 times out of 100, the Jets would win the game. 99 times out of 100. Ooh. Okay, now I want to give a number because now you've put me on the spot here. I would say, I would put it more like a 91 chance. I like I, Alabama's got some players, man. They got some first round talents every single year. Like, could they do it if the Jets play a bad game? Yeah. I could, Adam Gase coaching the team. Yeah, I could see it. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. So 855-212-4227. All right, coming up next, the Vinvestigation. Okay, never again. <laughs> Officially never again. <laughs> of why Travis Kelsey is so ridiculously and criminally underpaid, as are all tight ends. That is coming up next. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Travis Kelsey, if you are listening, you are underpaid. If you're a tight end in the NFL and you are listening, you are underpaid. Okay? Here, here's what's happening right now in the NFL. This is amazing. Right now, receiving leader in the league, most yards, DK Metcalf, 1,119 yards. Second place, Travis Kelsey, 1,114 yards. He's five yards shy of the receiving lead in the NFL, 12 games into his season, and he's a tight end. Now, here's the thing. There has never been in the history of the NFL a tight end that's led the league in receiving yardage. Hasn't happened once. Travis Kelsey could do that right here and right now. Which, not surprising. Not really. If you've been paying attention to the league, if you've been, you know, whether you play fantasy football or you just kind of keep an eye on things, you like to roll through stats once in a while, you hear people talk about the best tight ends in the league and how Kelsey and Kittle are always in that group. To hear that Kelsey is five yards away from being the guy with the most receiving yards in football, it's not that big of a shock. But here's the thing. Travis Kelsey just got a new contract this offseason, right? Just a couple of months ago. Got a big extension. Now, the tight end market used to be, if you were the best tight end in football, because think about it with every position, right? Every position in the NFL. How does it work? A big-name player is coming up on free agency. Let's say they're a quarterback. Well, who's making the most? Whoever that guy is, the next person who's up in free agency, they'll make just a little bit more than the guy that previously set the record. It's always leapfrogging. One guy passing the other guy, passing the other guy, passing the next guy, and that's how it goes. And for the tight end position, the money that you made, if you were going to get a top-of-the-line tight end contract in the NFL Prior to this season, you'd get about $10 million. Not a whole lot, 10 Massive raise for Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Kelsey, he's getting about $14 million, a little bit more than 14 Kittle is getting about 15 So compared to tight ends, massive raise. Compared to wide receivers, hilariously cheap. Hilariously cheap. And think about how good Travis Kelsey is, how good he's been. Over the course of his entire career, Travis Kelsey has been incredible. Undisputed top two, top three tight end of the league. He's been great. And he is a receiving threat. It's the blocking, right? George Kittle, it's the receiving. It's the blocking. Tight ends are valuable because they're versatile. And in the modern age of football, when these guys are spread out in the slot, they can be spread all the way out wide. They're good in the red zone. Like, all of the matchup problems that a tight end represents is very appealing. 
And Travis Kelsey is that. Well, for him to make 14.3, let's say, million dollars a year, you know how many receivers are making more money than Travis Kelsey right now? He just signed a top-of-the-line, shattered, shattered the record for tight ends for what it previously had been. He's got $4 million more than that when the record was 10. So that's where Travis Kelsey is historically within the league. There are 16 wide receivers in the NFL right now, 16 of them, that are making more money per year than Travis Kelsey. 16 different receivers. And by the way, at the top is DeAndre Hopkins, who's making $13 million more a year than Travis Kelsey. He's basically making double, double. He's making, is DeAndre Hopkins, for as amazing as he is, and we look at the Texans and we rip them for how awful they were at making that trade, right? They get crushed, and more on that later, by the way, because there's a new development in terms of what's been going on in Houston. But you look at that trade and go, it's ridiculous. DeAndre Hopkins, amazing receiver. Is he twice the player that Travis Kelsey is? Is he twice as good? Do you need two Travis Kelseys to equal one DeAndre Hopkins? No. In fact, right now, Travis Kelsey has more yards than Hopkins. He's got almost 100 more yards than DeAndre Hopkins. He's got three more touchdowns too. Yet Hopkins is making $13 million more. Isn't that crazy? Does that not seem insane to anybody else? Like, how is Travis Kelsey only worth $14 million? I understand what the market is and how it works in the NFL. Of Hey, you just make more money than the guy before you. But, man, these guys, these tight ends, these top-of-the-line tight ends, George Kittle as well, grossly underpaid. When you have the versatility, and especially Kittle these days, you know, he's a younger guy than, than Travis Kelsey is. And so you see how San Francisco likes to run the ball so much, and he is a great blocker. I mean, that's worth a lot. Big plays after the catch, the ability to be consistently open, lots of receptions, red zone touchdowns, all those things. What is the value of that? It's got to be more. It's got to be more. It's just, I looked at it, and I, I couldn't believe it. There's 16 wide receivers right now that are worth more than Travis Kelsey. There's maybe 14 that are worth more than George Kittle. How? In the modern age of the NFL, knowing what tight ends do, valuing them as much as we do, how? I don't know. So it that just blew me away, and I wanted to share that with you. So 855-212-4227. Is a top-of-the-line, uh, top a top-end tight end, is it worth as much as a top-line wide receiver? Is it close? How close is it? Is it not close at all? Am I totally overvaluing these tight ends? Oh, well, they're just tight ends, Vince. I don't think so. To me, these guys, especially the good ones, they're wide receivers and blockers, and they're moving around the formation, and they're getting you touchdowns in the red zone. Like, these guys do everything, and they're worth just as much as a wide receiver, if not more. So, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855-212-4227. I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. That's our toll-free our toll-free line, and it's sponsored by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Having a home is hard work, so get a quote at GEICO.com. Easy. Now, here's what I want to do on the other side. Okay, one major rule change with Ohio State. It finally went in place this week. I want to follow up on that. But two... Turns out I'm just a pawn in the system, baby. Let's talk about that. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Vince Quinn Show on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, the life of a pawn is a fun one. I will say that. And, and it's funny because I don't, typically, I don't see myself as a media guy. I know that's strange to say, like, Vince, you're doing a national radio show. What are you talking about? But I just... I'm not the guy that's going to games all the time. I'm not texting people trying to get scoops on what's going on behind the scenes. I just, I watch games. I read whatever's out there. And, and I like doing the show. It's it's really that simple for me. I'm not the diehard, traditional, like, newspaper, investigative, whatever. I'm just, 
I'm just a guy that watches sports and takes it in like everybody else, and I just try to talk about it and make people laugh while I'm doing it. That's pretty much it. And it's it's weird to see everything that's playing out with Kyrie Irving because he puts out a message. He got fined earlier this week. We talked about it last week, and it's probably been talked about all week by everybody because how do you not? He goes out of his way to say, hey, I'm not going to talk to the media this year. I've got all these great things I want to do, and this is how I'm really going to get my message across. I'm not going to talk about the media. And then he gets fined for it because... Of course he did. How would he not get fined for this? It'd be a full-on rebellion and riot if he didn't get fined. Because then every other athlete in the NBA is going to start going, well, Kyrie's not doing it. He's in New York. Why do I need to do any of it? Right? So Kyrie gets fined. And then he puts out a statement saying to some effect that he's not going to talk to pawns. Pawns being people in the media. Now, here's the thing is he might look at it like a newspaper reporter, somebody who is um, running a blog, whatever it might be, podcasting, somebody with the league that's doing media for the league. He might look at those people and say that they're pawns, but that is not the case. Because here's the thing. These people that work those jobs are connected to the outlets that fund everything. Where does the money come from? advertisements on TV broadcasts, right? Like that's where the money is. That's the power of the media. It's the relevance of being in the media. It's worth something. You want media coverage, you know, for the league, even if a guy has a, or a team has a terrible season and there's all this coverage because it's a disaster and everybody wants to know why that's good for the league. It's media coverage. It's on the talk about. So, for Kyrie Irving to fully misunderstand how all of this works, it's so silly. And it's costing him money, and it's not actually, like, I don't know what point he's actually trying to prove. That's part of it. Like, honestly, Graceffo, do you have any idea what he's trying to prove? Like, if you were getting inside of Kyrie Irving's brain. Don't task me with that job. What's the point? That's impossible to do. There is no one on this earth. That should be tasked with the possibility, the job of trying to get into this person's head. So don't even go there. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm. I want. What to is though. what is his benefit? What like what point? Because he thinks he's like, making. What point some is he statement. trying to prove? Yes. I have no idea. Zero. That things that something on this earth is more important than basketball. Like I guess maybe I get, but again, if something important, if something is so much more important than basketball. I would tell Kyrie then to walk away, take all the money that the Nets are going to give you, give it back, do something else with your life. Or is it that just Kyrie Irving can't do that because he can't live the lifestyle he wants to live without playing basketball? Or that maybe he just doesn't want to play basketball anymore and that the only way he can live the lifestyle that he lives is by playing basketball? These are all things that are in my head. Yeah. And I think they're fair and I think they're fair questions and arguments. And again, all this money that he's got, it comes from media. It comes right. from media. So Earth to Kyrie, which he thinks is flat. <laughs> you wouldn't exist. No one would care about you without fans, the media, television, television ratings, podcasts, uh, 24-7 sports coverage that basically would not have existed without the television partner that you have. So, to sum it all up, you wouldn't exist without the thing you're trying to fight. Exactly. For whatever reason you're trying to fight it. And that's the thing. Is he talking like, hey, the coverage against me is unfair, so I'm not going to speak about it? Like, I, I don't know. So for him I think he clearly this- thinks that there are more important things in the world than basketball. That's I think that's part of his MO. Well, there's always something with him. Of course. But <laughs> of course there's always something with him. Uh and everything is obviously everyone else's fault. Like everyone else has created all these narratives. It's the word of 2020 narratives. 
little word of 2019, whatever you want to say. Narrative. When I when I was growing up, I never heard the word narrative. You know that, Vince? Yeah, it didn't come it's, up. It never, it, it never like dawned on me that narrative was a word or the media has created all these narratives. And Kyrie has said that all the, the media has created all these narratives. Meanwhile, he hasn't spoken a word to the media since March. So how could the media create all these narratives with things he hasn't said? I don't know. And that's the thing. I just don't know. You just throw up your, your hands and you go, I don't but, know you what know, he's he, trying to he's do. He's the king. He's the king in this on this chessboard. And he's clearly smarter than everyone else. <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Because here's the thing. If he came into this and said, here is my very distinct message of what I'm trying to prove, and this is why I'm not talking to the media then that's a whole other conversation because now it's it's not just Kyrie isn't talking to the media and whatever, whatever like this is ridiculous it's well is he right about this point that he's making and it would be all these discussions about the point but there's no point that we know of so until there's a clear point of what he's trying to prove he just looks like a guy that's racking up fines for no reason and you know what the other important part of this equation is what that you put a ball in a basket for a living. Like you don't do you don't do anything else and you're lucky that people happen to care that you have the ability to put a ball in a basket for a living. Yeah. Like that's all you do. You do nothing else. That is your life. If you don't want it to be your life anymore, which clearly I don't think he wants it to be his life anymore, then don't do it. Don't do it. Doesn't have to. No. Yeah. <laughs> But, again, but like, your opinion isn't valid on anything simply because you put a ball in a basket, right? Or am I, no. or am I wrong? No, just, just by nature of being a basketball player. And that's one of the things that I've always gotten to. Like, over the years, it, there's been all this outrage that comes at athletes. Like, oh, these guys are supposed to be role models. Like, no, you made these people your role model. You know what I mean? Like, they happen to be role models because you look at them and go, I'm going to idolize this guy or let, you let your kids do it. And it is what it is. I was that way as a kid. I had all the jerseys and whatever. But they are just like 28-year-olds that are playing basketball. You know, like they, they are, they're very famous and popular, but that doesn't mean they're all role models. You got to make and choose those things and reevaluate those things as, as they go. But by virtue of being a basketball player doesn't mean everything you say is right or, or anything. I mean, me being on the radio doesn't mean everything I say is right. It's just, it's case by case. You got to earn stuff. At the end of the day... In this big on this big old chessboard where he's the king and Kevin Durant's the queen because he gets to move around in all these different places and you know uh, better piece. Karis Levert is a rook <laughs> and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is a knight. There we go. Uh, at the end of the day, everything this guy does is calculated. It has a reason. We don't know what the reason is, but when LeBron was in the finals, what three months ago? feels like less than that. You yeah, know, the, it wasn't the, long ago. Right. So when LeBron was in the finals three months ago, and the finals are just about to start, or they might have started already, Kyrie decides to say, I've never had a guy on the court with me at the same time who I felt I could go to and give the ball to in a key situation. Now I have that with Kevin Durant. You don't think that was calculated? It was timely. Like game one of the finals for him to make that comment. So this guy loves the attention but seemingly doesn't want to talk to anyone. But at the same time, he's such a narcissist. He has no idea what his motive is. But all he knows at the end of the day is that he loves attention. This working. So he buries LeBron James for no reason. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. I like. But he's the, but he's the king. On, he's the king on the board. Got, Got it. it. I know, that's the thing. If he had a point, I could maybe see the point. If if he was given a clear construct, I'm not do, dealing with the media because of this, this, and this. Like, it, it's more of just I'm letting my play on the court speak for itself. That's not how this works. So, good luck to him. But he's going to rack up a lot of fines along the way. There's going to be a, a lot of taken pawns, if you will. So, we'll see. <laughs> War of attrition. Do you think Kyrie just watched a whole lot of Queen's Gambit and then he's just making all these chess analogies? I mean, probably. Is that, is that where is that where show. the chess analogies came I, in? I, I, I maybe I watched it. Did you see it? I have not watched it. It's yet. good. I, I and here's here's the best thing. This about is making it. me not want to watch it. No, it's a good show. Don't let Kyrie ruin the show for you. The, the show's great, and I'm lucky now because my girlfriend watched it and now she wants to play chess. I've always liked chess, but I couldn't get her to play. Now she watched Queen's Gambit. She wants to play. Now I'm playing chess. Pretty good. Big payoff. So. 
anyway. Moral of the story, everything works out. In the yes, end. everything works out for me specifically. No. Um, anyway, let's let's go to the, the Ohio State stuff because we got to a point where we were speculating. It had been speculated in general for a couple of weeks that the Big Ten was going to change the rules for Ohio State because they weren't going to play enough games to qualify for the conference championship, which, given how good they are, It'd be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous to not allow Ohio State to get into the championship game because they made up a rule whenever that you need to play at least six games and they didn't factor in, you know, COVID. Who would have thought? Why didn't the rule makers of the Big Ten factor in COVID? Why why didn't they have that insight in whatever year they made the rules in the 60s or whatever they wrote? You know what I mean? Like, it's, come on. It's a silly rule. You didn't need the rule. You have a clear team that deserves to be in there. Change the rule. So they changed the rule. That was the right thing to do. I've got no gripes with it. And for all the doubters, as long as they win games, there will be no murmuring. There will be no whispering. Just keep on winning, get in the playoff, win a game, and there you go. Everybody's off your back. But at this point, I don't need the doubters. I mean, I, I'm not even an Ohio State guy. But put them in. Put them in. I'm glad they did it. It was a simple, easy thing. It was the right thing. So 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. 855 212 I'm Vince Quinn with you here on CBS Sports Radio. And let's take a call real quick. Let's go to Mark, who's in Milwaukee. Mark, you're on the air. Vince, uh, this is my first time hearing you, and uh, I enjoy what I've heard so far. So keep up the good work. Hey, appreciate it, man. You and your colleagues just had a long discussion about Kyrie Irving. I'm going to give you a little condensed. That's not what I was called to talk about, but I'll give you a little condensed opinion on my opinion okay. on, on what's going on with this guy. I used to be a big NBA fan. I'm 68 years old. I'm old school. Problem with him and these other guys today, the social media, the NBA, the stories that the NBA get the headlines on today are not about what happens on the court. It's about this kind of stuff, the nonsense that happens and goes on off the court, I guess, with the advent of social media. I don't like it, okay? Uh, This guy, Kyrie Irving, he wrote, and I hate to use the term, but I'm going to use it, prima donna, Um, you know, Uh, he rode off into the sunset and it would be okay with me. Um, but, you know, the money, I'm sure, will keep him there. This guy couldn't shine the shoes of a Magic, a Bird, a Jordan, a Kareem. And they were all class people. Uh, they all had their egos, but they were classy people. They didn't lip off. They didn't come out with this kind of nonsense like this guy does. And uh, what has he done without LeBron? A whole lot of nothing, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, yeah. you can suck it up. And, and, and I, I agree with you. It's just ridiculous to hear this kind of stuff. Uh, nobody, I'm not interested in any way, and I don't see what he's done other than, you know, uh, and, and that, you know, he wouldn't have won that championship without LeBron in that seventh game against Golden State that they won. Was yeah, with the big block, all that stuff. Yeah, so so yeah. credit to LeBron. Of course credit to LeBron. And, like, that's the thing that's silly about all this. Kyrie isn't even the best player on his own team. And, uh, Mark, I know you wanted to talk about something else, but I got to run. I'm sorry, but I, I appreciate it. And if you want to get in, 855-212-4227. That's how you join the show. By the way, today the NFL on CBS features games with plenty of playoff implications highlighted by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs taking their show on the road against the Dolphins. That's going to be a good game. And the Bears looking for a big win against Watson and the Texans. Coverage begins at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific with the NFL today on CBS. Now, we got plenty left. We're just in the middle of the show. So if you're like Mark, who just called in, you go, wow, I like this fine show. This is a fine program. I'm going to stick around and listen to the rest of the way. Well, this morning's show is rocking for two more hours. You can find us at It's Vince Quinn on Twitter. That's all one word, at It's Vince Quinn. I could use the follow. Hit me up there.